There's something that I've heard over and over again that would literally drive me nuts. If I can do it, so can you. Have you ever heard that and thought, this person has no idea? It's not the same for me. I'm different. They don't know what I've gone through or what I'm going through. I've had all these thoughts. And if you're like me, your brain will look at the situation and try to reinforce those thoughts. These are the thoughts that keep us from being able to accomplish all the things that we're capable of. Sometimes we'll get past them and we'll achieve the goal, but it'll take a lot more effort. Today, I'm breaking down some of the things that I've told myself in my life to make my life more challenging. The question is, are you doing the same? Are you ready to shift your mindset and tap into the opportunities that are waiting for you right now? Let's go. Welcome to the Creating Clarity Podcast, where we talk about clearing the fog, shifting our focus, and uncovering opportunities that are hidden right in front of us. I'm your host, Dr. Liz Aguirre. Before I begin, I must emphasize that this work is separate from my professional medical work and does not represent medical advice or opinions of any specific organization. I hear this all the time, but before I jump into that, what does cliche even mean? (laughs) I'm serious. There are a lot of words I don't know, and people saying things are so cliche all the time, I didn't even know what that meant. So you might be thinking I'm joking, but I'm not. There's a lot of words I don't know. My vocabulary is pretty limited. And a few years ago, as an example, someone told me at work that another physician was my adversary. I replied by saying, oh, really? Why do you say that? And when he proceeded to explain and give the rationale, I still couldn't figure out what adversary meant. So after a few moments, I interrupted him and said, oh, I'm so sorry. I have to answer my text to my husband. So then I turned around. I quickly opened the dictionary app on my phone and discovered that the word adversary meant opposing force. He was saying that this other person was my opponent. I couldn't believe it. I spent a lot of time collaborating on projects with this person and I had no idea. It just didn't make sense to me. How could I not know this? So I picked up my jaw from the ground and then I turned around and I said, I'm so sorry, you can proceed now. And then I could listen to the conversation and figure out how to respond. Anyway, all that to say, the word cliche is a noun that means something is commonplace because of overuse. Now I get it. Armed with that definition of cliche, I can officially say that I thought the phrase, if I can do it, so can you, is so cliche. Was so cliche. I don't quite believe that anymore. But I did at the time because I didn't believe it, not for a minute. And rightfully so. I'm around a lot of really successful doctors and entrepreneurs now. When I say that I'm around them, I mean, I'm on similar Facebook groups together. They'll friend request me or I'll friend request them. Then we see each other's content and feed each other positive growth and let each other know what we've done and what we've accomplished. And then after a while, I continue reading and ask myself, how can I get to that next step? So anyway, I hear it all the time. If I did it, so can you. That's what a lot of successful people say. But trust me, I'm not smart like you. They all say the same thing. I'm not smart, so if I can do it, you can do it. Oh, trust me, you're smarter than me. 
And they'll also say, if you went to medical school, you can do this. Well, I hear those statements and my brain always takes me back to the same conversation. Hello, yes, we both graduated from medical school and residency, but here's what you don't know about me and why you're wrong. For me, medical school was extremely hard. I'm sure it it was way harder for me than it was for you. Anyway, I know that's probably my opinion and it's probably not true, but that's what my brain was telling me. I also know how hard medical school was for me. My roommate would cram for two days right before the test and she would ace it every time. Meanwhile, I would pack my lunch and dinner every day. I'd sit in class all day long, camp out at the library till about 11 p.m., get home, shower, get in bed, and start over the next day. All of that to barely pass my classes. Oh, and sometimes I didn't even pass. My first year of medical school, I failed biochemistry. Or was it chemistry? It was one of those. I don't even remember. But one of those, I failed. I failed the class. And instead of taking a break during the summer and recovering from that first brutal year of medical school, I was in class all over again, spending the evenings all over again studying just to barely pass that summer class. So then I got back to my second year of medical school and my confidence was definitely shaken, but I told myself, I don't care what it takes, I am not gonna give up. But other proof I had that if I could do it, so could you didn't apply to me, was the fact that I probably got into medical school because of affirmative action. I know this because people told me that when they found out I got in. You only got in because of affirmative action. Now, even though I heard it, I have to say they would say it jokingly, but I knew they meant it and I was positive they were right. I don't currently know the status of affirmative action or if it's in place right now. I probably should, I realize that, but I don't. But for those of you who don't know what affirmative action is, don't worry, I had to look that up too. Affirmative action refers to a policy that was aimed to increase workforce and education opportunities for underrepresented parts of society. That's me, a Hispanic female, who had no business being in medical school. Not only that, my GPA wasn't high at all. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like a 3.2. Of course, I would never tell other pre-med students that's what it was. I told him it was 3.7, 3.8, because I knew that was the average to get into medical school. And I know many of my med school classmates had 4.0s getting in. I didn't. I had like a 3.2. I had to do a ton of volunteer work, medical research, and other things to prove that I was worthy of getting into medical school because my GPA wasn't going to prove that. When I was in medical school, my first year, a PhD student interviewed me. And this is when I found out that less than one to 2% of doctors were Hispanic females. I could have made this mean that I was special, that I was smart, that I was going to change the world in some way. But instead I made it mean that I didn't belong there and it made me worry all the time. I would worry that they would find out that I wasn't smart enough. And even worse, I would spend all this time, money and effort and fail out. After all, I only got in because of affirmative action, right? There's a big push for diversity in various different industries, including medicine. Despite this, the numbers of Hispanic females in medicine right now remain slow. I just got lucky. On top of all that, was I even really a real Hispanic? Have you ever heard me speak Spanish? No, there's a reason for it. It's not good. My Spanish is no bueno. My dad grew up in the valley. And he tells us that he wasn't allowed to speak Spanish. They would hit him on the hand because he was told that he had to have good English and he had to 
basically speak well to get ahead. And the Spanish would create a barrier to that. So he was swatted on the hand. He didn't want us to fall into that trap. On top of that, he took it a step further. He was told that if he changed his name, that it would help him. So he changed his last name from Moreno to Moore. That's why my maiden name is a white name. But when I got married, I really had to practice saying Aguirre all the way to work. Every day I would practice rolling my R's. Aguirre, Aguirre, Aguirre. All that to come full circle and pronounce my name Aguirre. <laughs> Guess what? Guess what that did? It made me an outsider. It made me an outsider to the white people because of how I look. And it's made me an outsider to the Hispanic race because I'm not a real Hispanic. I don't even speak Spanish and I don't pronounce my last name Aguirre. But those are all just thoughts. Do white people really see me as an outsider? Do Hispanic people really see me as an outsider? I don't know. Probably not. Or maybe they do, but does it even matter? The last example I'll give about why this phrase doesn't apply to me is because I'm not like other doctors. During my medical training, when we were on the hospital floors, we would stand outside of the patient's room and we would get pimped. That means they asked us tons of questions to see if we knew what diagnosis was linked to these signs and symptoms, what tests we needed to order, and how to treat the patient. When it was my turn, when they would ask me questions, I would immediately freeze. I'm sure that my face would turn beet red and I would squeak out the wrong answer most of the time. If I squeaked out anything at all, I was terrified to be called on because the wrong answer was sure to come out if it came out at all. Not only did it come out wrong in the hospital, it came out wrong on test too. I failed my first board certification. I went on to pass a second time and I've even passed again 10 years later for my recertification exam. But the important point to prove that that cliche statement, if I can do it, so can you, to prove that that statement doesn't apply to me is the fact that I failed my first certification exam. Now, that wasn't a surprise to me because I've scored like the 15th to 20th percentile in exams my entire life. I also failed my board prep exam during residency and I got put on probation. Now, every single time I have to fill out a credentialing packet to work as a physician, I had to explain that I was on probation and why. How do you think that makes me feel to have that constant reminder of that failure? Not confident, that's for sure. So why am I telling you all of this? For someone to give me a talk and say, if I can do it, so can you, they're making assumptions that they've been equally challenged and are equally not as smart as me. And that's just not true. Or is it? Do you see what's wrong with that statement that I just said? And do you see what's wrong with all these stories that have filled my head for years? Number one, how do I know that they haven't been equally challenged? I don't. In fact, they probably have. They've had struggles all along and they've had failures. They might not be the same as mine. They might be different, but they have their own. And so do you. So if your brain is already trying to mount a response about why you are different from me and why it's just not true for you, don't let your brain do it. Don't let it keep feeding you those lies. Number two, I've sat in that space telling myself all the reasons that this doesn't apply and I was clearly wrong. I just couldn't see. I was overwhelmed by insecurity and fear. Now I can see more clearly. I'm still scared. I'm still insecure. I still have thoughts that I'm not smart enough or I'm not good enough, but those are all limiting beliefs. Every day I create affirmations for myself and I look at my reminders. 
One of my reminders is that cliche statement that I started off with that used to annoy me all the time. If they can do it, so can I. I remind myself that fear is normal and expected. I remind myself to go with what I feel is right and not what I think because my brain is going to try to convince me otherwise. What do I feel in my heart? There's one thing I know with absolute certainty. I won't let my struggles be for nothing. The feeling inside of my heart right now is pulling me to help others. I feel sad for those who haven't had the help I have had because I know how hard it is. I feel confident that people need to hear my story. And yes, I'm getting emotional right now because it is hard for me to put myself out there. But my lesson today is simple. You only need to remember one thing. Stop wasting your time and energy reminding yourself of how bad or undeserving you are or how not smart you are. We can come up with a million reasons why we're not good enough and why we are different. Instead, I want you to start looking at what you have to offer the world. Yes, you are different. Yes, you are unique. But that's what makes you special. And that's what makes you perfect for whatever it is that you have been wanting to go after, but you haven't. So here's how you're going to do it. You're going to sit down. You're going to carve out some time and you're going to write down a list of all the accomplishments you've achieved, all the things that you know, all the things that make you awesome, the promotions you've had, the well-deserved pay increase that you've earned, the businesses you've started, the books you've written, what you've taught others, the the awards you've earned. How have you already helped others and served the world? What have people told you that you do well, that you're good at? How do people say you've helped them? All of those things will be your proof that if they can do it, so can you. I'm serious. Write the list. When your brain takes you back to thinking you're not good enough, just gently talk to your brain and say, oh, there you are, negative thoughts. I've been waiting for you. I knew you were coming. You always do. And then kindly thank your brain for trying to protect you from the unknown and brush those thoughts to a side and ask yourself, what's my next big step? Read your list of qualifications and accomplishments. Build yourself up and then start. Start right now, right now before you change your mind. The only question now is, what, my friend, is your next big step? What is it that you've been putting off for way too long? That's it for this week, my friends. I hope to see you again next week. And please, please, please do not forget how much you will be helping me if you share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, and please leave me a five-star review if you feel it was worthy so that we can help this podcast reach other people. Thanks so much. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe so that you won't miss the next episode. And if you like this episode, please share it with a friend and give me a five-star review so that I can reach more people. I'll see you next week. Disclaimer.
disclaimer. The views and opinions shared here are for information and educational purposes only. They do not serve as a medical or professional advice. They do not represent any academic, medical, or professional institution or organization. If you found this helpful, don't forget to leave a five-star review. Thank you.